1: as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For, and I'm blessed today to have Mary Ann with
0: me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it is a pleasure. Do you know, just the opening of your show made me uh, feel kind of tearful This this idea you have of people being able to be authentically themselves and truly human. It's
1: fantastic. Thank you. And I'm blessed to have the space to be able to do this, but also to meet amazing people like you. We have been connected through a few different people. I think Kevin Monroe is one of them that has really connected us. And it is just that heart-centered people that care for humanity. And it's not just in this fluffy thing like Oh, let's have world peace, which, you know, we're not going to argue for. We would kind of like that. But it's it's designing environments and creating environments where people can thrive and be their best self at home, work and play. And that's what I love about what you do and what this topic is about today. So before we go into it, I do want you just to quickly introduce yourself. Just tell people about who you are and a little bit about your background.
0: Sure. Uh well my name is Mary Kerr. I um I currently have a small boutique uh consulting firm uh that looks at the uh the workplace and uh does organizational health and culture work. But I came to it after 34 years uh working in what I call the social profit sector. So that's charitable organization, nonprofit organizations, uh, doing primarily organizational leadership and fundraising. So I helped, I had amazing teams. I helped to raise uh, 110, over $110 million for mostly small and mid-sized organizations in all kinds of different areas. Um, And after all of those years of doing that, when I looked back over my career, I, I thought about the places where I had the most success were places where like people were really engaged in the work, loved their teams, were like happy, Um, you know, and at the beginning of my career, I can remember bosses saying to me, well, it's not your job to make people happy. I thought, well, okay, but why not? Why not? <laughs> yes. And that's so, and that's what I
1: love is why not? You have options. You can go either way. Yeah. Why not? It's and it's not the easiest road. It's not. And it's not being a people pleaser, because whenever you're you're kind and loving and honest with people, there's some difficult conversations. And I think that that beautifully flows into what this you're going to be talking about today and what you're unapologetically bold about. (laughs) And so I, I just love to transition into that, Marianne.
0: What are you no longer apologizing for? Well I am no longer apologizing uh for uh pro- providing criticism really to the to the sector that I love, you know, the charitable sector, the not for profit sector. I I am I'm tired of people getting upset when i have something to say that is not all rainbow and sunshine and you know bluebirds about the sector um because there is a lot of work that needs to be done so i'm and i'm really i mean i am really tired really really tired of taking criticism for trying to shine a light on the things that need to be improved so that's Mm -hmm. what i'm unapologetic for and i'm thrilled to be able to say it out loud
1: (laughs) Yay! And that's what I love. I love that you are calling out people that you like. That you said that is love, and it, my listeners know this. My definition of love is to be patient, kind, honest, understanding, and not boasting of ill will. And that's one that I find a lot of the times is that honesty is missing mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, I can't love them if I actually tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> Let's reverse that. No, it is being caring and kind and You've worked your tail off for a sector that kind of has been getting a bad name by a few, and and it's not a bunch, but it's just right. the, uh, some of them just have been not doing some great things. And you're from Canada right. too,
0: right. so yeah.
1: <laughs> this year has really been a <laughs> a
0: tricky this year. One. Has been really tough, yeah yeah, we, we had a the big, I don't know how much uh, folks in, in the US know about the We Charity scandal, but I mean, it's an international organization. It operates in the US and Canada and other parts of the world. And Um, You know, I I think what we learned from that is, you know, if you are giving to uh, organizations, you really need to do a lot of due diligence. You need to, uh, you know, you need to ask really good questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a concern for some organizations because they felt like, oh, you know, talking negatively about this one organization will negatively impact the entire sector. Um, And I think the problem with that is that it undervalues the brilliance of the human uh, mind to be at heart, to be able to make really good decisions. I mean, people are not painting us all with the same brush. I They, I, they just are not. I think, oh, there's my dogs. I think, um, <laughs> I think you know, it, it, to say those kinds of things is really almost demeaning um, to donors and to prospective donors. That, that's what I think. We We have a lot of work to do, and it's okay that we have work to do, but we can't pretend that we don't.
1: I agree. And even the dog is giving an amen to this (laughs) one because it's so true. I see this in all sectors that I go into is that a lot of people have the theory, if we paint one with this brush, it will be all. And it really, I love what you said about how it cuts out on the human ability to make decisions. Right. 90% of people are amazing. There is a 10% headache population. I've always said that. I've never not had... Um, and in the work that I do, I typically can name them and we work with thousands and thousands of people. So there's not that many, yeah. but it still does not mean that you don't call things out whenever they're there or on the other aspect, you don't go from the lens of let's cover it up because that's something I've also seen. So tell me more on whenever you're like, okay, I'm just going to. I'm going to step out and I'm going to boldly criticize on the people that grew me, the people that love me. You know, this is my sector,
0: you know, but I gotta be honest with them. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a very recent example there. Uh, there is an organization here in Canada called Kids Help Phone. It's, it's an amazing organization it is really well loved. But there was um, our, our public broadcaster, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, did a story uh, where they focused, it's a a phone line, right? And they do in, in tremendous work. But they had some counselors who uh, came to the media and said, you know, there's, some stuff happening, and, and we're finding this work environment toxic. And it was a, a very detailed article. It provided a lot of in, a lot of um, kind of very credible data and information on why they were feeling this way. And um, and so I shared that story, and I invited people from Kids Help Phone. I shared it on LinkedIn. I invited them in, and I said, "You know what's happening? Talk to us. Tell us what's going on." Because what I love about social media is that it democratizes conversation, right? It does not allow, it, it calls for radical transparency and it's an opportunity. Now, to me, I am always, and I, I have said this before, I, I'm always going to err on the side of supporting those with less power, those who have less of a voice. Um, and so uh, so I, I always start by believing because I think if somebody has gone to the media, they have very likely, uh, tried other things first, Mm -hmm. right? This going to the media always feels like a last ditch effort. Um, And I took a ton of abuse uh, Mm -hmm. over over that because it's such a well-loved organization here, right? People didn't want to hear about it. Um, And in fact, um, I had people that I was connected with from Kids Help phone line who disconnected with me. Um, I had one person from the organization reach out and say, Let's chat, but at the same time, I had so much negativity from others in the sector. I actually said to that that person, "Listen, I, I'm. I'm. It's not about you and me talking, right? This isn't about you can, can telling me what's going on. This is about telling everybody. It's about giving voice um, and and giving credibility, really, um, to the fact that people have spoken up, whether it's. Whether you think it's true or not, that's a totally different story. It's about being democratic and, and open and transparent.
1: And that's beautiful. And it's different too, because some listeners may be hearing earlier, like you said, it's not boasting of ill will, but there's a difference. Wow. It's not. There There is love with this. It's that honesty aspect. It's not that we're gossiping and saying, hey, these people are doing a behind it. We don't want you to give any money. It's like, Right. It's the transparent. It's the hotness. It's humble, open, and transparent that we right. need now more than ever. And I love how you're in Canada. I'm in America, but even around this world, I know people from Austria. Well, almost every continent except Antarctica. Don't know anybody from there yet. But <laughs> all that to say is people want to be hot. They want to be humble, open, and transparent, and we're not taking any more crap. Right. So, and I, and I think it's interesting, too, talking about the uh, social profit sector and that I've done some work with charities and at first I'm like, well, we're a nonprofit. We can't make any money. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, dang, you're making a lot of money. You're yeah. making a lot, a lot of money and not distributing it the way that you tell people that you
0: are. You know, anytime uh, you're thinking about making a gift uh, to charity or not for profit, it it starts with you and asking yourself and your family what's important to us, what matters to us, what are the causes that we want to um, ensure continue. And there's lots of organizations out there, honestly, who Uh, for me, I go, this organization, I cannot afford to fail. I don't, we have to make sure that they are successful. Um, And then I really recommend, you know, you do the basic things, like look at the website and Look at their financials, right? Because I don't know the, um, the, the laws in the US the same way, but here we have lots of um, mechanisms for you to look at the kind of uh, you know Canada Revenue Canada reports so that you can look at to see where money is being spent and how it's being spent. And the vast majority of organizations really are doing what they say they're going to do, right? Uh, the vast majority. Pick up the phone. Call them, ask them, speak, you know, speak to a human being, um, and 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 just do your homework. That's really what I would say. But but beyond all else, give even if it's you know, I mean, even if it's $10, whatever you can afford to do, I think that um, obviously this is a, a tough year for the sector, um, tough year for everybody. And it's got a ripple effect. So the demand on organizations is higher and the revenue is lower. So that's that's a big, obviously a big problem. So so that that's what I would say. Um, and, you know, for organizations that Um, You know, uh, there is no perfect organization. So when I when I think about that example I I was just speaking to, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, uh, you know, that's how we learn. That's how we innovate. That's how we get better. Um, So let's not let's not see those criticisms as being, you know, oh, you know, that's not a good organization to give to because I I don't feel that way. I don't not, I, no part of me would say, don't give to kids help phone. I think they do tremendous work, but that doesn't mean they don't have work to do. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't.
1: And that's the thing is if you think anybody or anything is perfect, you have a false mindset because if humans are doing it, we will fail you. Like I even tell my people, I tell my people this all the time. Like I'm, I'm technically your boss or leader by title,
0: um
1: but they teach me more, so I don't know. I tell some of them that they're my bosses in some areas, but I'm gonna fail them like that's set out. I'm a human, I'm imperfect. I am going to screw up. I am probably gonna piss you off. I am right. going to do things, right? but we're gonna come together with love and we're gonna come with understanding. and when I do it, call me out. Yeah. offer that criticism because it's needed it yeah. and it the thing is is, When you're securing yourself and whenever you're working on it, instead of perfection, you go to progression. You don't mind those criticisms.
0: I love that. I love that and feedback, right? It is that people say it's a gift, but it really is a gift. I really, and, and I think the more senior you become in the workplace, the less often you receive it and the more you need it, right? Because the mistakes you make have a much bigger impact and, and ripple effect. Someone asked me today, you know, what was the best advice I ever got? And, and for me, it was to be um, really conscious of what I say um, as a leader, because people are looking to you, right? And and everything you say really matters. Um, And so that's, again, what brings me back to this whole concept of transparency in the sector. When somebody stands up and says, you know, yes, there was a story in the paper. Yes, we're working on it. Yes, thank you for caring about us and caring about our work so much. Mm -hmm. That's it, right?
1: Uh-huh. And that makes
0: me think of, too, even the
1: work that I do is we do something my favorite, favorite thing to do is frustration eliminations. And so mm. that's basically where you come in and you tell about a frustration because we're we're about stress to strategic stuff. But you have a frustration. You come in and we we do some things where we create an environment where people can talk and have conversations. But we do something about it. And yeah. it's just like this when you do something about it, you actually get greater loyalty in the in like the in return, because right. you saw it, you commended it, you called it out, and you changed it, you're, you you did not sweep it under the rug, you didn't let right. it fester and brew, and turn into its own little beast, that's an yeah. elephant in the room that nobody addresses, but we all know it's there. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's so true. I mean, you have to shine a light on things. And you know, I, I think the workplace, especially, you know, as I, I say younger people, but I guess it's not necessarily younger, but as newer generations are coming into the workforce, their expectations are so different. I think that my generation put up with stuff that today, like my my own kids and, and some of the people that I have have worked with would just wouldn't. They just would not put up with that kind of um I would say mistreatment, I would say uh, lack of respect, right, that's what matters to folks is feeling valued and respected and heard uh, and, and that they're not a resource or they're not capital, they're they're just people right they're just mm. human beings who want to be seen that way and and i think we have a long way to go in in every sector um but i want our sector i really want the the charitable nonprofit social profit sector i want it to lead because we are about uh philanthropy right we're about caring about the world mending the world you, you know i feel as though we could play a leadership role here that that we're currently not
1: mm. and it makes me think i did for a board retreat for a healthcare nonprofit. And we did um, the multi generational aspects of giving. Great. And it was, it was one of my favorite classes and I guess courses or whatever teachings to give because it was so interesting about my generation. Yeah. Since we do have a lot of debt due to um, a lot of schooling that a lot of us have, our time and our talents, we are more readily to give than our capital that right. we have. And so it's it's a very interesting concept, too, as you talk about the newer generations. We don't put up with things, but we'll give. Mm-hmm. And how we give is a little bit different than the traditional model. Right. So if an adaptation is not being well received and if you're not going to call out things and if you're not going to be transparent, you might have a problem. Yeah. So I think it's so important, like you said, to boldly offer this criticism
0: and it's constructive. I do want
1: to put that. I believe that it's a
0: constructive criticism. Yeah, I, I call myself lovingly critical. Yes, right? and, and that—that's those are that's that is how I feel. I mean, I would not have spent thirty-four years in in the sector if I didn't love the work that that we do, right? And and every day, um, I, I hear stories, right, about um, the impact of the work of the sector. But I also hear stories about the expense uh, at which that impact has come to the people who are dedicating their work lives to it. So the two things, it doesn't have to be that way. It just does Mm -hmm. not. And I I think ultimately, you know, 80 percent of the Canadian workforce is disengaged. Mm -hmm. 70 percent of them blame their manager Uh, and 14 percent of them are out there wreaking havoc, you know, like quite actively sabotaging um, your organization. So with that kind of knowledge, um, with, a no- with the knowledge of, you know, high use here in Canada, we're like, I think it's the third or fourth highest use of antidepressants uh, of the OECD countries. We have high rate of, of alcoholism. I mean, those things are all linked, right? If it sucks to be at work, what do you do when you go home? Mm.
1: And that's so true, and that's what I love about what you do, and, it, and it's a lot of what we do too. It's just that passion for people and creating environments where they're supposed to thrive. Yeah. And and I know we're right at our time; we're getting close. But this just—I'm going to take it a little off topic. Okay. And I think a lot of things on this too is um, I call it the Linus effect. Like you know Charlie Brown, and everybody has their blanket yeah, and like their safety net and their blanket, and they got to hold it. That's what's coming to my mind as I'm hearing you talk about that, and how our ability to adapt and to overcome when we're told that something it, that when we're criticized or something or we just want our blanket and we want to hold it or there's a great he's a preacher, but I love some of his talks that he 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 speaks on his name's Mike Todd, and he talks about sitting in the chair of unfair and how many times that we sit in there and we stay in there and we don't do things that just because it's easy. And then we surround ourselves with people just like that. So mm-hmm. that may be like, ah, oh, it's unfair because I got all these expectations as a leader or it's all, un- it's unfair because they bypassed me for the 50th time, you know? And you can't be doing your great work if you're sitting in the chair, you know, because right. you're not. And so that that's what comes to my mind on that. What yeah. what do you think
0: when I say that? Or what do you well, hear? I'm going to tell you the first thing here. Here's feedback. Don't apologize that Mike Todd's a preacher. yep (laughs) right I mean I one of the things I love about uh Kevin Monroe is that he's a really faith-based person and and we talk a lot about faith and I I don't come from that same background Mm -hmm. but he's taught me a lot about it and I I I have grown as a human being because of that right Um, and I think the truth is uh it, you know, if you are um, wearing armor, right, which is what happens when you're in that chair, right, you put on armor mm-hmm. um, in order to protect yourself about, uh, about against the next disappointment that's going to happen at work. And if you're wearing armor, the more armor you put on, um, the less authentic you're able to be, the, it, it, the more you have to let it go as you walk out that door. Although these days it's out of this door and into my <laughs> hallway. Right. But. You're having to let off layers of armor that you've put on in order to survive the work day. And oh, that is such a heavy weight to bear, right? Such a heavy weight to bear.
1: And that's the reason why I think there's a lot of times there's a crux between people can't be humans at home, work, and play. Right. Like you're human everywhere, but it's like we walk into our office, we have to be put on this one suit. Then we walk yeah. out. And it's like, that's so yeah. stressful. Why can't we just be humans? Like, why can't we receive feedback and not get offended for it? Because we think that it's taking our identity and it's eating in like today. Example, my kids. I love, 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 love my children. And they teach me so many life lessons that. (laughs) But today, my, my son, I said something to him about he's he's dealing with ego issues and I can see it. He's nine. We have CEO meetings, and that is something that we had talked about. We do three glows, which is three improvements or three things that you've been doing good and one grow. So his grow grow for this week is don't defend yourself, even Mm -hmm. if they are right or or even if they're wrong, don't defend yourself. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Not every time do you have to have a comment. And I think that's something, too, it's just these ego things that we self-identify and that's what i call it the linus blanket like we got to cover it up cover ourselves yeah. not yeah. only are we we're basking in that chair of unfair we're also covering ourselves to get comfortable by things that that's our pacifiers or or the ways that we can't receive information yeah. so so we are depressed because we yeah. don't know what to do we feel stuck yeah. so for, for people that it's a two-part question so for mm-hmm. people that are staying in the chair what would you tell them And then what would you tell the leaders that are dealing with the people that are sitting in the chair and you
0: don't know what to do? Yeah. Well, for the person sitting in the chair first, I'd say, you know, try to remember, try to think back to a time when you actually were able to get out of the chair, because, you know, we we all have moments in our lives when um we've we've successfully overcome right we, we have i mean it might not be a work situation and think about what you did in order to pull yourself up and out of that um and so much depends on your power relationship with those that are perhaps causing you to feel as though right poor me um you know this is all, all wrong nobody recognizes me nobody respects me no one values me if that's actually true and it might be then maybe you're not in the right place Right. And if you're the leader, um, you know, I I think the biggest thing and it's really become apparent with COVID-19 because we're seeing into people's homes, we're, we're seeing our kids, we're hearing our dogs, we're getting little glimpses of people's lives. And we've mistaken that with getting to know people because. It's not. It's not really what's happening. I think the demands on people have been so high, and we're so we're getting to know you on a very surface level now. I I know that you know right now you think my office is tidy. If I turned my camera to the right or the left, you would see that it is not right. I'm letting you see, and people are letting you see some of who they are, but not who they are deep down inside. Mm. Right? And I think that that's superficial issue um is part of is part of the issue because everything comes down to relationships so what i would say to that leader or those leaders um is you really need to know your people you really need to know them you need to you need to listen right you need to understand you know why does marianne feel undervalued disrespect disrespected inauthentic, right? Why is she having this experience? And if I do actually value her work, what can I do um, to change that? So it really all comes down to being human and, and humane with each other. It's mm. all about relationships, right? It's so true.
1: And I think that actually what I talked about earlier, the three gloves and one grow, that has been so impactful, not just with my kids, because no. I test everything out on them. And then I take it to... <laughs> Because if they're receptive, I just say that sometimes I work with grown children. And if it's easy yeah. to understand and it fosters a sense of security, especially when kids are going through these awkward phases in life, and COVID's one of them on top yeah. of already things that are happening. But that's one that I found that allows that sense of getting to know each other. If right. I, and, and it goes back to this, boldly offering criticism, giving a grow how can you improve? My kids last week, they, they've told me this maybe more than once is I'm hard on myself. I know I'm hard on myself. And so finding ways that I can, I can see it. I can come aware of it. And it's like, okay, they have my best interest because they want me to succeed. They want work speed to succeed. They want the podcast. They want all these things. They want my best. And I love that they tell me that they don't just tell me I'm an amazing mother, which I love to hear. But I love that they tell me, hey, mom, you went a little bit off your rocker whenever your computer died. Can we examine oh, this? Can we see a little bit more? <laughs> like, why did you yell? <laughs> and then it's funny, like last week, one of their uh, glows was, hey, mama, you haven't been getting so mad at your computer now because it's died for the fourth time. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like, hey. yay. <laughs> but, but it's it's how that criticism is sometimes seen as an attack. But if you put it in the correct, environment, it actually helps foster a sense of what I call serotonin, the safety cop of the body that you can come up, you can come together. And it also fosters oxytocin, which is love, the loving, bonding, connecting side, because you're being truthful. So yeah. I, I love think,
0: that. Sorry, but you know, they love you, mm-hmm. right? You know, they love you. And I think that's the thing at work. And again, uh, you know, I've talked about this um, with other people, but the idea that to, you there can be love at work, Right. There can be, and there should be, and we should bring that in. And it's not some airy fairy kind of, it's not, it's really about, and as you, you talk about the chemical reaction, when I have a friend at work, someone who really cares about who I am and how I am, right. Mm-hmm. That makes such a difference. And when we, when we talked a little bit before and you told me about these, these chemical things, I'd never thought about it before, but it really spoke to some of my past Experiences in the workplace. I thought, yeah, that that's bang on. That's exactly how I was feeling. Um, so I, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's really important.
1: Well, thank you. And it's a reciprocate. Like I am so blessed that you're doing the work that you are doing in the social profit area. And so I guess I got a two part final question. First okay. part somebody's apologizing for boldly offering criticism. It could be the social profit, it could be to wherever it may be
0: what would you say to them? I would say, you know, um, thank you and, and don't feel sorry. I'm grateful to you uh, for caring so much that you're taking the time to provide that feedback because feedback is a gift uh, and it makes us better. So thank you.
1: So good. And then the second part, people want to reach out and find you. How can they get
0: a hold of you? best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, and um, I'm currently writing a book about these kinds of issues in the workplace in the social private sector. So I'm a little slower to respond than I used to be, but I, I love to hear from folks. So Marianne Kerr on LinkedIn.
1: I'm so excited for that. And we'll put a link whenever it's ready to drop out. So thank you so much. And My pleasure. thank you for all that have listened in and will listen later. Y'all have an amazing and blessed